And it was just a simple bunch of rules, standards that they needed to live by. And, and if you didn't live up to those standards, there was a price to pay. And that sort of gets summed up in Ezekiel 18 where it says the soul or the person who sins dies. Ooh, that's not good, is it? Of course, this includes everyone. It includes you. It includes me. It gets picked up in the, in the New Testament where Jesus said it's given for every man once to die. And we will die. We will die. And there's a, a pastor, a former pastor now, of McLean Bible Church in Washington, D.C. It's a very large church. His name is Lon Solomon. Lon was raised in the Jewish faith, mostly stoned on the campus of North Carolina State back in the 60s. As a young man, he, he asked the Holy Spirit to, to speak to him. And the Holy Spirit was pulling on him, and, and even when he didn't even know it. So he goes to his rabbi, and the, he talks to the rabbi about sin, this thing that he'd heard about from the street preacher there on Franklin Street in North Carolina, Chapel Hill. The rabbi looked at him and said, Lon, sin is a Gentile problem. You suppose he'd ever read Ezekiel 18? Probably not. Sin is everyone's problem. Your problem, my problem. You might be familiar with this passage I just read in Romans 3.23 for all. A-L-L, a little bitty word that Includes everybody. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God sets a standard to live by. And He sets that standard in the law. And if you meet that standard, you live. And if you don't meet that standard, you die. The problem is, no one meets the standard. None of us can meet that standard. We pretty well know that. Just be honest about it. The Bible tells you in, in, in places, be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. How many of us are holy? How would you call yourself? Have you ever called yourself to be holy? Not on your own merit. You are not holy. I am not holy. So, so what does God do? God does grace. Grace. God came into to our world. God came into our world of sin and sickness, and death, and He died. He gave His life on the cross of Calvary so that you and I could live. Why would He do that? You know, we have that little anacronym, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. Well, these verses that I read in Romans this morning, are packed with truth about God's grace. A whole lot more than we can ever ever talk about in the few minutes that we have together. And one of the first truths that just kind of bounds off the page is that this grace that God gives us, this salvation that is ours through, through Jesus Christ, is free. It's free. Look at what Paul says in, in, in this verse 23 and 4. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. You see that? As a gift. 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And that redemption is the cross. Justified. Just as if I had never done it. You know, we hear all those words in Old Testament a lot. Far as the east is from the west, you know, that we be washed whiter than snow. Those kind of images we have. They're, they're true. They're true. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when God looks upon you, you're clean. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. He doesn't see all the mess that's in my life. Thank God. Thank God. As you look at what Paul says in Ephesians 2.8, he says, For by, by grace we have been saved through faith. And it's not your own doing. It's, it's a gift of God. It's not a result of works. Not a result of works. So that anyone might boast. How much does a free gift cost? Nothing, right? Nothing. If you have to earn it, not free, is it? Years ago, there was a, a program on TV that probably most of you have had seen or heard about. It's called The Millionaire. In fact, it took a rebound and came back on TV in a new model about five years ago. This millionaire, anonymous face we never saw, would go around and, and give away a million dollars to someone. Seemed like a random someone. No strings attached. And the people who would receive the gift, and that's what the show was all about, just had a struggle, a hard time believing that such a gift would be given without strings attached. No hidden catch. It was a free gift. That was what grace is. God's gift to you, to me. We think, surely there's a catch, right? My, my mother raised me that there was nothing free in this world. How many of you heard that? Nothing free, nothing free. So when we talk about all the handouts that come on, they're not free. Somebody has to pay. I wish our world kind of knew that in a certain sense. Nothing is free, but God's grace is. He just goes so counter to the world. You know, the God we, we love and worship, this is the God who, 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 who gives and gives and gives. It's just the opposite. When we give our offerings, He gives much more back to us. When we give our heart, He gives much more back to us. When we give our allegiance and our service to Him, He gives so much more back to us. And it's backwards from the world. We give to receive. The world wants to receive to have its blessing. That's not what God's grace is all about. We have a tendency to put God in the, in the same little pocket as, as the world, as all those companies and, and, and people who, who make all kinds of offers. You got those offers? You get them all the time. If you come and look at this resort, if you come and look at that, or you come listen to this presentation or that presentation, I, I know I get one in the mail at least once a week. You may too. If you'll try this product or you'll try that product, we'll give you a free gift. 
A free gift. And you see, the gift is just a lure, isn't it? To get you to the product. God offers the gift of eternal life to you and me absolutely free. No, no, no lure, no gift, no, no hook. For the wages of sin is death, he says in Romans 6.23. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Over and over again. Free, free. Grace is free. Grace is free. You want to be forgiven? Do you want an intimate relationship with God? Do you want to be able to stand before Him absolutely clean? Do you ever wonder and worry maybe a little? That when you stand before, before God in heaven, it's not going to be such a pleasant experience? Because everything's going to be known. Everything's just going to be open. You know, if I really thought and dwell on the fact that, that God's going to look at all the mess of my life, all the times I betrayed Him, all the times I walked the other way, oh, I'd be so ashamed. I wouldn't want to die. I wouldn't want to go to heaven. I wouldn't want to stand before God. But thanks be to Christ. When I stand, when I stand and I'm known as I am known, God will see a clean slate because of my Savior. Because of my Savior. You know that big heavy-duty word that we read in Scripture, propitiation? That's what that means. That's what that means. And that's just such a beautiful freedom that God gives us in His grace. We can have our sins erased forever. We can be white as snow even before the Holy God. All you have to do is receive the free gift. But there are a couple of things that you should be aware of. One is accepting that free gift of forgiveness is an admission of guilt. You know, lots of folks like to have the prize, but they don't want to reach for it. If you receive this free gift of God's grace, God's forgiveness, it's an admission that you're guilty, that you have fallen short of where He has called you to be. There's an old joke about a, a pastor in, in Sunday school who was telling the children about about God and forgiveness, and he asked the question, what must one do to be forgiven of sin? And there was a little quiet moment there. Then one of the little fellows in the back said, well, first of all, you have to sin. Accepting God's gift of forgiveness is an admission that you are a sinner. It's an admission that you've already taken that first step. You're saying, I have sinned. Oh, God, I need your forgiveness. In, in fact, the admission of, of, of guilt goes a step further. You're not just admitting that you've made some mistakes, some bad choices, some you know, irregularities in your life in the past, but you're admitting to God, you know, I am a sinner. I am not worthy in any way. Another thing you need to be aware of 
is that accepting God's free gift of forgiveness is an admission of helplessness. I can't do it myself. You're saying there's nothing I can do to earn or deserve your mercy. Nothing I can do to earn or deserve forgiveness. It's only your goodness. It's only your goodness, O oh God, that makes that possible. You know, there's no room for personal pride anywhere in the process. We all know about pride. We all have pride. We're very familiar with pride. We're very proudful. So we know all about pride. But there's no room for, for trying to think that, that my works or, or my good deeds or that somehow I'm, I'm worthy of God's grace. Because I've, I've come to Sunday school for 100 years and, and I have all the little pens to show for it. That's good. But it won't erase your sin. It won't let you stand worthy before the Lord. No chance we're ever going to be able to do anything, ever, to deserve the gift that we are receiving. We can't come to the Lord and say, well, Lord, if you'll let me off the hook this time, I'll make it up to you later. Have you ever done that? <laughs> I have. I've said, okay, Lord, get me through this, and I'll be better. And normally I'm not all that better. How about you? I mean, I, I have a little spurt, maybe. But then it fails, and it falls apart, and goes away. We must say, Lord, I'm accepting your gift, even though there is no way I can ever pay it back. No way. We see this principle again and again in the New Testament. In Romans eleven sixteen, Paul says that salvation, if salvation came through good works, then grace would no longer be, be grace. Remember what Paul said in, in Ephesians 2, 8, by grace you have been saved, not by works, lest any one of us should boast. You and I will never be able to do anything to deserve forgiveness. You can only accept it. Grace is a free gift. But a second truth that comes out of this passage in, big, in a big way is grace is big. Look at 22 and 24. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. All who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Talking about the cross. So how big is grace? Well, it's big enough to wipe out the sin of the whole world. Right? For all who believe. All who believe. That's a challenge. It was a challenge for these readers and hearers when, when Paul first proclaimed it. Those who believed that you had to be a Jew before you could be in relationship with God. He's talking about Jew. He's talking about Gentile. He's talking about everybody. Everybody who believes. Everybody who believes. When Jesus came to John the Baptist for baptism, John exclaims, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away what? The sin of the world. sin of the world. Steve Brown, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy or not. He's a wonderful teacher, preacher, 
radio commentator. He says, don't let anybody tell you any different. You're a lot worse than you think you are. Cheer up, though, he says. God's grace is a lot bigger than you think it is. (laughs) It's important for you and me to to know that God's grace is, is big enough to wipe out our sins, my sins. You know, I, I think it's big enough to take care of your sins because I really don't know what your sins all are. Well, I might be able to give you a hint on a couple of them, but, you know, after that, I'm lost. But you know what they are. You know what's down inside there, and God knows what's down inside there. And God's grace is big enough to take care of it all. Big enough to take care of it all. We need to believe that. Grace is big enough to cover lying and and cheating, the big ones and the little ones, the adultery, the murder, the gossip, backbiting, jealousy, lust, pride, greed. Big enough. Big sins, little sins, doesn't matter. We don't need to start parsing words and trying to figure out which ones are acceptable and which ones are not. Sin is sin, and God's grace covers it all. It's big. 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 We keep losing the battle, trying to be better and not and falling short, and trying to do this and you know the Romans seven problem, the very thing I want to do, I can't do it. The very thing I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Now, why is that? Sin. Sin. And we keep losing that battle, and we keep asking forgiveness again and again and again, often for the very same sin. You know, grace is big enough to cover it all. If you think about it, those of you who have walked with the Lord a number of years, you you can think about some of those things that were in your life that aren't there anymore. I can. I can. When I first started walking with the Lord, there were a lot of things in my life that were very up on the front burner, that, that were impressed upon my brain that needed to change. And, and I struggled, and we tried, and I tried, and, and it was hard. In, in many ways, it was hard to try to walk the right path because I knew the wrong path. But God was right there with me, and God helped me and enabled me and gave me the strength. And, and now those things aren't even around. I mean, you never hear about them. I, they never come up. Not like one of those little dancing piggies, you know, that goes across the screen, you know, of your brain. I don't have that. never comes again. It's gone. So when I think of it, as far as the east is from the west, I've realized that. I've experienced that. I hope you have too. But if you haven't, you can. You will. Because of God's grace. And because God's grace is big. It's huge. It's huge. Each one of us is, is probably facing at least one sin. <laughs> at least one that just keeps dogging you. It just won't seem to go away. You know it's sin. God's Holy Spirit has already pointed that out. You know it's something you shouldn't do, but you don't go and you keep doing it. Why am I doing it? Keeps getting the best. Maybe it's temper. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's talking about others when you shouldn't. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's bitterness. Somebody that you just can't forgive no matter what. 
You've fallen so many times, you sometimes begin to think that God could never forgive me this time because I've been down this trail so many times, you just give up on me. But amazing, amazingly, God's truth is that grace is big enough to cover every sin and any sin and every one of those sins that we can, we can have in our mind and in our life. Peter came to Jesus. Remember that story in Matthew 18? Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Jesus said, Peter said, up to seven times. Remember that? What did Jesus say? Seven times seven or 77 times, depending on how you interpret it, but it isn't just seven times. In other words, what Jesus was telling Peter was, you forgive your brother as many times as it takes. As many times as it takes. In Luke 17, if your brother sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back and says, I, re- and, and says, I repent, you forgive him. You forgive him. There's no limit. No limit. You think Jesus would expect us to live according to the standard that he lived by? I think he expects that. I really do. And he's not asking us to do the impossible. He's asking us to let God do the impossible in us. He expects us to forgive again and again and again because He forgives again and again and again as many times as it takes. We, we just said that. Or we're going to say it in a few minutes, I guess. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? We say it all the time. Too often we cheapen God's grace, you and I, by limiting that grace. But the truth is God's grace is free. God's grace is big, huge. And God's grace is also powerful. It's strong. There's a theological term used to describe grace. It's called efficacious. It's one of those, you know, when you want somebody to be impressed, throw that word out there and they'll just kind of glass over, right along with propitiation. But efficacious just simply means it has the power to do what it's supposed to do. It has the power, the strength to produce the desired effect. You know, in in Romans 3.26, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The message, the version of of the scripture, which I don't always use, but I like to go to it sometimes. It, It says it this way, which... Maybe it's a little easier to understand. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in His rightness. How neat is that? The cross makes the difference. It has the power to accomplish its intended purpose. To be the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Later in Romans, Paul goes on and says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but you're under grace. You don't ever want justice. You want mercy, right? We never want justice. We want mercy. God's standard hadn't changed, hadn't changed a bit. He wants us to be holy. In fact, it's a command. Be holy. Be holy. It's not an option. But he knows we can't do it ourselves. 
And he knew that when he said it. He didn't he doesn't know it because we flopped around and failed so many times. He knew it before. So what did he do? He took his love to the cross. His grace is strong. And his power is in that grace. And it can produce God's desired change in our life. It can make us holy. It can make you, me, white as snow. Remember that story of the millionaire. The million dollar gift was always free. But the gift always made a big change in the recipient's life. And that's what the story was about. That's how grace is. That's how God's grace. It's it's sort of like corrective surgery, if you would. We're helpless. But but God comes into our life and gives us grace. And, And His grace changes what we cannot change. Grace is strong. It has the power to change us. Jesus told a story in the Bible, I'm sure you've heard, about a Pharisee and a tax collector. They went up to the temple to pray. Pharisee prayed loudly so that all could hear, thanking God that he was a, a good man, not like other men, you know, robbers, evildoers, not like that tax collector over there. And he reminded God that he, would, he fasted and he tithed regularly. The tax collector, on the other hand, couldn't pray that kind of prayer. He just couldn't bring himself there because he knew He wasn't a good man. He couldn't even raise his eyes to heaven. Instead, he he beat his breast and he prayed, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The amazing thing is that Jesus said it was the tax collector who was justified, not the Pharisee. Why did he say that? Because the Pharisee believed that he had some good quality within himself that would make him worthy. It isn't to say he didn't have good qualities. He didn't have a lot of good things in his life. He was, he was maybe a, a good man. But he had nothing within himself that would, made him, would make him righteous before God. And that's what we're talking about. Nothing. When he looked in the mirror, he saw only the goodness of himself. And he saw badness in others. Not like those robbers, not like those evildoers, not like, you know, that other person. Tax collector, on the other hand, recognized his need for God's mercy. And it broke him down. He wanted and desired and knew he needed, must have God's awesome, amazing grace. Biblical teaching of grace goes against everything the world you and I live in thinks about God. The world believes that God helps those who help themselves. How many of you ever heard that? You know, it's in the book of Dawn. Check your index if you've learned about that. The world believes that God helps those who help themselves. I hear it all the time. Grace teaches, however... That God helps those who cannot help themselves. 
The world believes that God's attitude toward us is one of stern disapproval, that He's a taskmaster. Grace teaches that God's attitude is one of love and forgiveness and acceptance. The world believes that God's mercy has limitations. Grace teaches that God's mercy is unlimited. His grace is free. His grace is big. His grace is strong. It's an awesome, amazing gift. It's my prayer that you will accept it as His gift to you. No matter where you are in your walk with God, no matter if you don't even know Him at all, recognize and realize that gift. Accept His gift. That you will embrace it and you will live it for His glory, your blessing. That you would extend it to others in His name. That awesome, amazing grace.